Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Nick Garton, and this is the Autosport Rally Podcast. It's Friday, 23rd of April, and this weekend, it's the WRC Croatia Rally. You may not know, we have a podcast dedicated to rally, and it's called Gravel Notes. You can follow that show on your favourite podcast app. Today we're joined by another not-so-tame racing driver, Extreme E-Star and Red Bull athlete Katie Munnings. And stay tuned to the end of the show when we'll be having a look at this weekend's rally. But first of all, let's talk to Katie. It's great to have you on, obviously. It's great to have a young Brit who's doing things in WRC 3 and 2 a bit and Extreme E. And that's... Um, well, it's breaking new ground for everyone, isn't it? Yourself included. So how did the deal come about? Oh, do you know, it was a bit of a strange one. Um, I remember kind of it was at the start of lockdown, really, when nobody really knew what was happening. I think we'd probably come back from Rally Sweden, um, from JWRC, and the world has started to slowly shut down. And then because we all had a bit more time at home, I think we were probably, um, well, there was just nothing to do, let's be honest. Um, and I remember um, I had a few Zoom calls and, and some of my athlete managers from Red Bull, they mentioned Extreme because I think a few of the staff that work at Extreme used to work at Red Bull um, and they said this is something that you should really get involved with um, and, I, and then I had a contact from Extreme um, and they were building their drivers uh, program at the time which was a kind of a pool of drivers um, that pe- teams could they, they basically had incentives to select the drivers from um, and so it was a big group of people like Ogier was in there um, obviously the Hanson brothers um, there were some quite big names in motorsport in there 
So to be honest with you, I didn't believe Extremely at the beginning when they were when I was on the Zoom call to them and they said there's going to be this floating paddock, which is going to be an old cargo ship and it's going to travel to the Amazon. And while we're there, we're going to plant trees and then we're going to race. And I just it just it sounded crazy, to be honest with you. It sounded like super ambitious. Um, but obviously, knowing that they'd created Formula E, obviously, they had uh, brains behind it and um, kind of the resources to put it into motion. So. I I was hesitant at first because I, I you know you do see electric championships pop up and then disappear after a season or so. The people that I spoke to and, and the names that were involved in it behind the scenes in terms of the organisation, people like Alejandro, I just kind of thought, okay, yeah, this is this is going to go places. And I think it was exactly the right timing because it was the natural time when in lockdown um, the world was slowing down a bit and we saw things like you know the pollution levels dropping just from people not commuting and just the small things that kind of play on your brain when you make these kind of decisions and it's, it's it was, to me it was one of those moments where I felt in my gut I wanted to be involved and I thought okay I don't know why I don't know what's going to happen with it but something is steering me to this um, and so I, I signed up to the driver's program um, no commitments to it because then you're just kind of in a pool and teams are still going to do their vetting processes and they can still pick other drivers um, but then about a couple of weeks later uh, Roger Griffiths who's the former team principal phoned me um, from LA and he just basically explained their vision and that was it really the rest was history so it was quite a quick process after I'd initially signed up to the to the driver's program and I guess quite a leap in terms of the the profile of the event from you know doing it working your way up the ladder on through through rally to then suddenly be dropped in and you've got a flying journalist in they're flying in the likes of um, Lewis and so on it, uh, it was quite a big, major, major spectacle. It was. And to be honest, when I signed up, no, no, none of those names were involved. There was no team Hamilton, no team Rosberg or Jensen. I think I was one of the, I think Sarah Price had signed up before me. But after that, I was kind of the next, me and Timmy were the next drivers to be announced. So we didn't know. Um, and half of the team still weren't announced at that point. So we didn't know what we were getting ourselves in for. Um, and I think that was, um, you know, I just entered the drivers program and then they announced the gender equality split in, in the teams as well. So all of this stuff, we, it was kind of learning once we were already in there. Uh, so it was just like the cherry on top of the cake, all of these things coming in. And then, as you say, with the massive exposure that it gained with the broadcast partners being announced and then obviously um, the additions of, of such high profile teams and drivers. Um, it was one of those moments where you think, oh, I'm really doing this now. It's like it, it's turned from season one of a new championship, quite low key, into actually a race of champions lineup. And uh, there's not going to be any hiding at the first event. Um, so, yeah, it was. But I think because it was new for everybody, it wasn't like there was, you know, a, an old dog that had been there for 10 years winning it every year and he knew exactly what to do to win it I think because it was new for everybody there was a sense of like first day at school for everyone which was crazy when you think about it with the amount of experience that I was standing next to um, on the start grid but at the same time you know and Timmy kept saying this to me as well it's just a car it's got a wheel and it's got three uh, two pedals um, and that's all that's all that's all that anyone has so uh, why why couldn't we be as fast as them when we hit lockdown obviously the industry globally hit the buffers um, were you prepared for it before before that call came in? Obviously, it was a fantastic surprise and has led you in this whole direction. But at that point, our compatriot uh, Chris Ingram is is competing for the first time for a while this weekend in Croatia, and he really felt it. You know that the, the world had disappeared from under his feet, and I I did too. And a lot, you know, how was it for you that that initial period until this call came? 
Definitely. I think up until that point, we'd never seen anything that had altered every industry like like the pandemic has. And I think it was it was quite a strange realisation because even if your drive, you know, irrelevant of your drive, but actually is the championship safe? Will the championship survive? Will there be a WRC? Um, all of these questions, because I know that, you know, financially it was a massive hit for everyone. Yeah. Um, and I think that was quite a vulnerable place to be because it's the, the home comforts that you've always trusted and you've always known are there. Everything was getting thrown up and, you know, even with sponsors and things like that, you hear of the, the guys that were then top dogs of the companies have, have um, you know, been made redundant. And it's, it's, it's shocking, to be honest with you, to see things turn around in such a short space of time. Yeah. And I think from the from my side as well, from the driving side, it was like rally is always an uncertain sport, isn't it? You, you know, it's so much dependent on, on budgets. And it had never been a drive where at the start of the season, I was like, right, OK, I've got full budget to do this. I can I can I'm, I'm quite secure. I'm relaxed in it. So I think I was almost used to that uncertainty. Um, and it was just a different limiting factor that time and one that was quite out of everyone's control. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, we used to, as drivers, I remember texting quite a few people from WRC and everyone was in the same position. And, you know, that that felt nice in a way that it, was, it wasn't like some countries are able to crack on and you're just sat at home because it really was like a global thing, um, but massively difficult. And I think, yeah, without a purpose with, for that amount of time, it's really tough um, and not knowing when you'll get back to it, if, you're, if you'll even have a, a position, um, it be in a position to have sponsors to continue. So, yeah, yeah, when I saw Chris was back, I was massively excited for him too. I feel like, you know, everybody needs something to work for and it's just his absolute, you know, his, his life, isn't it? You can see that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was great news when to see him back out in Croatia. It does feel like there are a few sort of, green shoots coming through now for a lot more people doesn't it which is nice to see because there was a like you know a few months into it when we're going back into lockdown again I think there was a period for everyone where we thought will our sport recover um and I think to see opportunities coming back now even if you weren't their biggest supporter before I feel like everyone's got behind it there's much less trolling and things like that because I think people just want (laughs) want to see sport happening I mean that's been my interpretation of just looking at social media and stuff I feel like if you're out there doing it people just want to see the world getting back to normal so there's a lot more of like a positive attitude towards everyone that's out there and has an opportunity because I think everybody appreciates now how hard it was to survive through that and to keep going. How's the season shaping up for you now? Do you have to do much testing in between events or is is there any opportunity? It's a really strange one from that side because I when I first heard of it I was like oh it's you know I've never had this opportunity before I was always running off my teammates secondhand tires that he brought into service (laughs) I'd put them on and they'd be like brand new for me and it was always shoestring, shoestring budget but I just wanted to be at the events to gain the experience doing them and so then this year I was like right okay it's going to be amazing there's going to be testy every weekend and it's going to be and then you know as, as we kind of learn more about the championship obviously with like the the eco side and the, and the carbon footprint side they don't want us flying all over the world all the all the time testing and flying huge crews out you know for obvious reasons um, and so it was actually only one test day that we had um, or two test days um, at full power uh, that we had as a championship so that's all of the drivers together we all were all at um, Motorland in Spain um and that was in December um then just we didn't see the cars didn't you know um a lot of I think a lot of people didn't even see their teams really I'm quite lucky that in the UK I can pop up to United Auto Sport for seat fitting or something like that um but from you know from the Andretti side as well kind of being based half out of LA half out of the UK it was you know it's it's not something that you're just going to work every day um and then we didn't see the cars until we had our shakedown um in Saudi Arabia so it, yeah, it's, it. I mean, the same for everyone again. So it's um, another element to the championship 
shit. But I think it was one of those moments where you turn up and you see how big the car is again. And you think, okay, we're actually going to, you know, this time next week, we're going to finish the race and, and somebody's going to have won. And we don't know what's going to happen. Um, and we don't really know the car that well yet. Um, there's still a lot of learning on the job. Um, but I think it was the same for everyone. You know, we saw the sporting format change throughout the weekend. Um, and I think that's just inevitable with, you know, race one of season one of a brand new championship, which is, you know, it, we shouldn't have been there. When you look at the, the desert and how kind of remote it is and how barren and um, yeah, just I have no idea how they find these locations. And then to be there and, and to be racing with hydrogen fuel cells powering the cars, it was just absolutely incredible um, to experience it. Brilliant. Brilliant. And obviously it's it's a, a strong supporter of women drivers as a series, as part of the, the sort of DNA of the series now. And coming from a, a rally background, obviously our first world champion in this country was a woman and Louise Aitken Walken and, and the first driver to win in a mini was a woman. So So women rally drivers, you know, we know you can get the job done. So obviously... Um, it's a good thing for for former or extreme to to be able to put that opportunity there in front of you for more women to get involved. Definitely. And I think, you know, coming back to the broadcasting as well, I think it just shows girls that might not necessarily watch racing or families that might not watch racing that just turn it on on a Sunday afternoon and happen to see, you know, a grid of nine girls there racing in the same job as the guys. I think that's powerful enough um, just to just to show people that the career is there because I, I still speak to people and they don't think that women are allowed to drive in Formula One just because they don't see any girls on the grid. So although within the sport, we feel like we're making quite a lot of progress. When I speak to people that aren't interested in racing, you think, oh, how much talent are we losing out on, on, on people that just don't think there's an opportunity there? Um, but it was, I, th- I think you're exactly right. And, and to be have all of those girls in one place at one time was really special because, you know, there are fast girls out there, but they might be in different championships all over the world and never, you know, never coming together in that sense. Whereas when you think of um, the kind of guys, the field is always big, whether you go to European Championship or WRC or World Rallycross or whatever it would be. So to have the girls all together in that sense, um, and especially when we did our first test day in Spain, and we had the live timing because I think everybody was thinking there'd be a, a big disparity between the guys and then the girls. But yeah. to see everyone actually mixing it was really exciting too because that's what you want. You don't you don't want it to be like, oh yeah, we've got token girls in there because we've got to have some quality. You want the drivers to be there on merit and it just happens that they're, you know, um, they're females and they're males, but they're, they're of the right talent and the right standard to be there as well. Obviously, you know, we know that the guys have got way more experience in this championship and, and um, you know, have had opportunities that the girls haven't, you know, we, we're not the same standard from that sense. But I think from the actual competition side, we were all really happy and like relieved that it was quite close and that um, we were kind of stepping up to the mark too. What sort of a, a duration are you putting on this? Are you going to continue trying to find opportunities with rally as well are you going to be doing other things are you you tapping up andretti for a a run at indy (laughs) yeah do you know what we when we were doing our shakedown of the car um zach brown bought his wrc escort uh the one that carlos signs won acropolis in Um, yeah so me and timmy were having to go in that we said yeah (laughs) we can take this out on some historic stages that'd be quite fun um (laughs) But definitely, I think, yeah, 100% driving's driving. And I think the more experience that we can get behind the wheel, doing whatever it is, I think yeah. is amazing. Um, I'd still love to compete in WRC. It was always one of my dreams when I was growing up, um, obviously following it, um, still is. And I think it's an amazing, pure championship where 
the where the sport is so raw. Um, I mean, we saw it. I've even been watching Croatia rally this morning, and you know, Cali going off, and literally like three kilometers into the stage, it's just so <laughs> heartbreaking. And you know, the sport is so pure in that sense. So there's no filter on it, and um, I think that's what attracts people back to it. Um, but yeah, I think also, you know, the focus for this year is side by side racing in a sense that, you know, that's what we're doing in extremely inevitably. Um, I think the sporting format, we might see some adjustments to it so that there's girls and boys starting. Um, and, and so inevitably, there'll be close racing through the whole of the race rather than just sort of being one in the first corner because of the dust at the minute. Um, so that would be more exciting, I think, for followers and also for drivers. Um, yeah. And so I think then having some experience, some overtakes and, and that kind of thing will be important too definitely and i suppose the once you get, get to slightly less dusty countries we'll see a a different thing uh happening and, and a bit more side by side and, and being able to see each other a bit better possibly definitely and i think that was one of the you know the, the biggest feedback that we all kind of experienced on social media or or from a championship from self-criticism as well we all want to see more racing um and that's what we're there for at the end of the day so i think that everyone's working behind the scenes to to make that happen and um yeah obviously that these cars are heavy and they're powerful so they do pick up dust sometimes more than we expect i think um but yeah i think i think inevitably the only way will be up and i think that the closer action will still be to come um through the rest of the year for sure and how are you enjoying the prospect of the side-by-side stuff, um, having been chasing the clock for, for some years? I know, it's a strange one, isn't it? Um, I think, I, you know, I was speaking to Timmy about it, and he, because I swear if you Google YouTube Rallycross um, overtakes, everything that comes up, it's Timmy Hansen, and <laughs> he, he did a move that shouldn't have been a move, and he went for the gap that wasn't there, and, you know, he, he's quite an aggressive overtaker. So, uh, in theory, a very good um, coach on that side, but I think it's so intuitive. I think that um, it's very hard to put it into words. There's no theory behind it. He's like, yeah, I just, I just go, I just, you know, I just, I create a gap or I see a gaff and I go um, and so I think it has to be inevitably coming down from that kind of instincts that you have I mean we all have it if you even if you go go-karting with your mates um, you're all overtaking and you all know where to go and where the, your, your spatial awareness is in tune I think it's just then fine-tuning it to the surface that you're on and, and the track that you have and picking some good lines like we saw Johan as well do um, in the first round in Saudi Arabia so um, yeah I think I am excited by it I think it brings a new level of adrenaline to the sport um, for sure but I've, I've always said I've been so selfish with like rally because you're always on the perfect line and you're just you're the only liberty factor you control your speed perfectly into the corner and then we saw in the final of um the battle between johan and uh, timmy and it was just like right all of that's out the window he's not lifting so i'm not lifting and <laughs> just gonna try and take these bumps flat and see what happens and uh, so when's your next appearance so the next race is in senegal um in about uh, what is it now a month's time i think so it's at the end of may um, right and that's the Ocean X Prix. So uh, the, the kind of legacy program there focuses on the ocean and the and the plastic in the ocean. Um, and the track is kind of, um, it's, so it starts on a sandy beach. And then I think we kind of go back it, back into the um, kind of land that's just off the beach, which is a bit more gravel tracks and, and rough and rocky and, and some tree shoots and things like that. So I think it will be a lot more undulating than uh, Saudi Arabia, a lot of changes to it. So it'll be quite exciting to see the differences as well in that terrain. Are you keeping an eye on... The rallies as well. Obviously, you've, you've watched a bit of Croatia this morning. Who, who's your tip for Croatia this weekend? Oh, do you know what? It's a tough one because I feel like anything can happen after having seen, you know, what happened with our championship leader as well, like, you know, just yes. a few kilometres into the stage. I think Thierry's in good shape. I wouldn't rule out Ogier, though, because I feel like whenever there's a, a mental game to be won and, and, and some strategy, he's always... He's always the underdog. Well, not the underdog at all, but he's always the one that's quite quiet and pulls it out of the bag. Um, 
So yeah, I think I think I'll be keeping my eye on those two. But as you say, anything can happen at all. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's I'd good. like to see Elfin do well as well. Um, yeah, yeah he's, he's worked hard for it. Uh, he's obviously another Red Bull athlete as well. I mean, have you spent time with him or with with who's the coolest Red Bull athletes that you've met? <laughs> Um, yeah, I have actually. We went, um, funnily enough, we all went lawnmower racing. Um, it wasn't <laughs> after, it was the year before that. Um, and I think Elfin was there. We were down in Somerset. Um, Billy Morgan's cool, actually, the snowboarder. Um, he's always the one that's stealing the attention on a night out. Whether he's doing backflips <laughs> to get into a nightclub or whatever he's doing, he's um, he's a real character. Actually, they're all together today as well. They're doing um, like a trials bike session up at Inch Perfect Trials. But nice. I was saying like I would go if there were some beginners there, but it seemed that everyone that was going was either Dougie Lampkin or like a two-wheeled <laughs> athlete anyway. So if there's a beginner class, I'd be open to it, but maybe not. <laughs> I want to show myself up that much. Can I just ask you how you got going where the where the drive to take part in motorsport came from in the first place what what was that first trigger and and how did you get to the point of turning professional it's a funny one because it's never it wasn't something that I went into looking for a career at all so it was just a hobby um my dad he was massively into rallying he used to do rallying in Belgium he never had the budget to do it properly but he was really fast um and then he, when he kind of had kids and run out of budget, he um, went on to become a rally instructor. So he was he opened up the Brands Hatch in London Rally Schools and he was kind of head instructor there for a few years. So when I was five, I'd go to work with him. Um, and then shortly after that, he started a motorsport entertainment company from a family farm, which is where I grew up. Um, and that was like quad biking and buggies and um clay pigeons juicing loads of different activities um so I'd come home from school and I'd jump out on a little kid's quad that I had and I'd be off you know to before the event finished with the instructors hanging out at the back of the um the back of the group and um yeah I was completely I was such a you know I was outside all the time um and then I think I came grew up through that so I was kind of always learning off-road driving in a sense I had old cars that I'd be driving around the woods and stuff um and then when I was 14, um, me and my sister started grass auto testing um, just because there's snowy lanes around us and our dad didn't want us 17 and then just understeering into a ditch uh, when the roads aren't gritted. So we both started, um, you know, that which was just like in an old kind of banger that we found from a scrap site. Um, and it was just handbrake turns on a local airfield with some other kids our age. Um, but I was massive, massively competitive. I was doing athletics and netball and I was competing a lot in sports at quite a high level. So I, then, of course, I was naturally competitive in the driving side too um, and then when I was 17 I think we were spectating at um, IPA rally in Belgium and got talking to some of the organisers from the European Championship um, and they were talking about getting more girls involved in rally um, and Peugeot I, I met the guys from Peugeot there at the same time and um, they offered me a test so I went along and Craig Breen was there and Chris Ingram was there it was like basically the top level of ERC at the time and they were um, all testing off it was rally Mont Blanc so it was literally off the side of the mountain in France um, and they were, so I jumped in with Charles Martin, who was French champion at the time, um, and he was teaching me that I, you know, I was 17. It was my first time driving a left-hand drive car and sequential gearbox. We were in this uh, 208 R2, so it was insane. And I just remember, be, remember being blown away by his driving and his speed. Um, and I just wanted the challenge of thinking, how can he do that? I want to learn how to do that. And that was really got, what got me hooked. Um, and I managed to find some sponsorship and um, I became a Peugeot ambassador and we started um, in the European Championship 
championship the following year. So straight in at the deep end, I never did any like learning. Um, so it was very much learning on the job. But we always said, you know, the, the fastest guys that are coming up through the juniors start in ERC, then move on to WRC. So this is where the, 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 the talent will be. And if you pitch yourself against that, you'll know what you've got to improve on. And the progress rate will be a lot higher than if I was to kind of um, go around and do some do a national championship. So we decided we wanted to do that just because of the varied terrains you get in ERC as well in an international series and, and the coverage. And uh, the cost wasn't any different, really, when we were looking at it. So it made sense to do it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was a fantastic championship. And I stayed there for a few years and absolutely loved it. That sounds like the best dad excuse for having fun with your daughters. I, I want them to be safe when the, the roads aren't gritted. Yeah, right. You want to have fun with the girls at the weekend, don't you? Exactly. Because then he actually started the competition as well. He, <laughs> so I have to agree with you on that because I'd be, I'd finish one of the little courses and then you'd be like, oh, I'm just going to take the car because I've got to do that now as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. That, that's been brilliant. No, oh, thanks, Nick. It was great chatting to you. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. And enjoy the weekend. Yes, you too. I'll speak to you soon. This weekend in Croatia means it's the first time to ditch the snow boots that have been worn in Monte Carlo for the season opener and in last month's Arctic rally in Lapland. We're on asphalt, terra firma in Croatia. New roads, exciting roads, narrow roads. That's what we've got this weekend. And already a toll has been taken when Kali Rovampera, championship leader, crashed out about three kilometres into the first stage. Why Croatia? Well, the obvious answer is there's a pandemic and we're more European-based. But also, you'll see quite a lot of branding for Zagreb, the capital city of Croatia, um, on the cars this weekend. Zagreb wants to draw people to the country. Croatia is a tourist hotspot, but most people are going down to Dubrovnik on the coast, which is where they filmed Game of Thrones. And a lot of people are going and getting selfies on the Red Keep and pretending to be a Lannister. And what they want is people to spread out more experience more of Croatia, which is why we're on these roads in the north of the country, inland, and it's all rather exciting. It's a bit like San Remo, according to those like the Hyundai team and Thierry Neville won in San Remo um, as his sort of pre-event shakedown. Um, others have been pretty much any workable tarmac surface. Chris Ingram, making his return to the sport in WRC3, went to Alsace in France to get himself back in the zone in his Skoda. There were a lot of unknowns coming into shakedown. The feedback was that the roads are bumpy. They obviously did their uh, recce in the wet, which uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, it's going to stay dry for the next three days. And um, there are concerns about just how dirty the road is going to get um, over the course, certainly on the second leg of each day when they're reusing those same stages because there are an awful lot of cuts, there's an awful lot of ditches, and that means an awful lot of wet earth is being thrown onto the nice clean tarmac. So that's something which is going to, I think, play a very significant part. There was even talk this weekend about people using rain tyres in wet conditions just to make sure they didn't slither off the road on the muck and dirt. In terms of who's likely to win this weekend, it's going to be either a Hyundai or a Toyota. It's one round apiece. Hyundai unexpectedly was off the pace in Monte Carlo. They made a few errors and team boss Andrea Adamo was livid. He was kicking the dustbin all over the place. But uh, they came back and were not expecting to do well in Lapland, Finland being the home country of the Toyota team, um, the drivers having competed on the Arctic Rally before which was making its debut because of the COVID-rearranged 
calendar. And yet the Hyundai's were significantly stronger than the Toyotas in Lapland. New event this weekend, new to the drivers, everyone's on the same footing, um, but there are drivers with a point to make. Amongst them is Thierry Neville. Neville's not yet in the title hunt. He obviously finished lower down the order last year than he had for the previous five seasons, and he's out of contract at the end of this year. He is Mr. Motivated when it comes to getting this rally under his belt because he needs to find a drive for next year. Um, and he also wants to win the title this year. So I, my money's on Neville, but you can never count out Sebastian Ogier, particularly on an event where it's a level playing field because he's Sebastian Ogier and you're not a seven-time champion by accident. He's able to find the limit gently and yet quickly. And you will see him maybe take the first couple of stages gently and then start to pounce. And obviously, then you go on the second leg and he'll be right on it. So he's never going to be far away. And I think he'll keep himself close enough to make a real difference on Sunday. This weekend at M Sport, there's uh, a lot of excitement with the debut of Adrian Formo in a full WRC car. He's been in WRC 2 with the team. He's clearly a leading light in WRC 2 and he's an asphalt specialist. So for the Brits, you've got to be cheering on um, Adrian Formo. To I think he's talking it down. He's saying that Sebastian Loeb didn't do great things in his first rally. Actually, he did. Um, he came in the top 10 at a time when there were significantly more teams and cars entered by works outfits. Formos talking his chances down a little bit, but I think expectations are high within M Sport. Formos said that, you know, Sebastian Loeb didn't come out and uh, take the rally by storm on his first appearance well do you know what he actually did they'll be disappointed if he's outside the top six i would have said at m sport at the end of this rally um formo is clearly a, a man to watch for the future he's an asphalt specialist and the car is good so it's time for them to um make up some of the ground that perhaps timo sunanen should have made up on uh, on loose surfaces had it not been for that rather spectacular off in Monte Carlo. Now, Sunanen is competing in WRC2 for M-Sport, going up against the Norwegians, uh, Mads Osberg and Andreas Mikkelsen. So that's three WRC refugees uh, taking part in WRC2, all of whom have quite a significant point to prove. The Norwegians sort of fell out with each other, Osberg and Mikkelsen. Uh, they were sort of needling each other on uh, social media and Osberg through his role as a WRC plus commentator um, was not holding back, which was all good fun. But now they've got to settle it on the stages. And both of them are trying to chivy for one of those seats in 2022, which may become available. We know that Neville's out of contract this year. We know that Tanak is out of contract this year. We know that Elfin Evans is out of contract this year. And we know Sebastian Ogier is retiring at the end of the year pending him coming back for some cameo appearances on rallies that he wants to do and which Toyota may feel the benefit of his experience and speed in 2022. So effectively, there are many ways to win a world championship available to those who are hungry enough and keen enough and quick enough. So the WRC2 battle is really exciting. Um, and we don't have Esa Pekka Lappi this weekend, the winner last time in Finland, but we will see Esa Pekka Lappi at a future date this year. 
um, having another run in WRC2 and trying to get back into the WRC. So that's four drivers trying to get a works drive with potentially four seats available. And that's with the young talent of Robin Perra guaranteed at Toyota and of Oliver Solberg playing a role for Hyundai going forward. It's it's an interesting time. The silly season is almost upon us, and it is going to be a silly one. There is going to be some weird stuff happening. In WRC3, British listeners in particular are going to be listening out for um, the progress of Chris Ingram. So Britain's 2019 European Rally Champion, uh, former British champion, and he is trying to get back into the swing of things, trying to get his career going in after the COVID hiatus. Um, he's got six rallies to do this year in WRC3, and then he's going up to WRC2 for a full campaign next year with the idea of being crowned 2022 WRC2 champion. It's a big ask. It's a long way to go. He's with a good team uh, based with uh, in Belgium, run under Fred Miklot, who used to be a co-driver for WRC driver Freddy Loikes. And Miklot runs a very professional operation. Well, that's our podcast for today. Before we go, here's what you can see right now on Autosport Plus. In Formula E, Matt Q writes about the silver bullet signing that has launched Jaguar into title contention. We think it's the best motorsport writing out there, but judge for yourself with half price access. New subscribers who sign up today can use the promo code podcast during checkout to save 50%. Go to autosport.com forward slash plus, click sign in at the top of the page, then use promo code podcast for that 50% discount. Thanks for listening today and we'll be back soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This year is your year, even if you also said that in 2022. And however you want to make a splash, Mother Nature can help you every step of the way with wool runner mizzles from Allbirds. Wool runner mizzles are shoes made from premium supernatural weather-repellent materials. So you can jump into this year with both feet, rain or shine. The high-top runners are made from temperature-regulating, moisture-wicking merino wool, treated with durable puddle guard technology to keep you dry and comfy. And you can take confident strides with supernatural rubber treads that grip for all condition traction and sugarcane-based sweet foam midsoles that put a little bounce in each step. Allbirds is constantly innovating to increase the performance and longevity of their earth-friendly materials. So even on your toughest outings, you'll wear out before your shoes do. This year, make a splash without worrying about getting your feet wet with Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 -ch
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.